AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Job gains in January were much more than expected. We added more jobs at the end of 2023 as well. We'll discuss what that might mean for interest rates. We've got a man on the ground at the cattle convention. We'll get a report from Orlando. A consensus grew very quickly this week that the farm bill will likely wait until 2025. Don't forget your flip-flops because it's warm out there. What is this, Winnipeg? <laughs> Not hardly. Via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, it's our Friday free-for-all with John Hayden. Directly following the news, Jennifer Scheich from Farm Journal's Pork. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. And now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Chuck Flory. All right, Davis. It is my understanding that Puxatawney Phil, the rodent out in Philadelphia, out, out in Pennsylvania, Mm-hmm. Did not see its shadow this morning. Mm-hmm. That's what now, I saw too. Yep. That means early spring, right? Mm, somewhere, I think this puts us right around March twenty first, somewhere in there. Mar- March twenty first. See, sure there you go, bringing day. logic back into the conversation. I'm just saying, spring is right around the corner, people. I'm just <laughs> saying, it kind of feels like spring is here. Maybe it is. Well, I don't know. Hmm. You know, man, oh, man, it, it, what are we headed for? We're headed for another high close to 50 degrees up in, in northeast Iowa, and it's going to be around all next week, dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I mean, this. we heard from Brett Waltz. Well, yeah, we could get to the middle of February, and it's still warm. Yeah. We could yeah. even get to the end of February, and it's still warm. Well, yeah. it's pretty warm on the second, if you ask me. No doubt. No doubt about it. Welcome to AgriTalk. I am Chip. That is Davis. Happy Hi. Groundhog Day, if if that's something that you like to celebrate. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Do people celebrate it? I like to celebrate it, yeah. Why wouldn't you? I, mean, oh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're looking for something, you might. it's as good as any reason, isn't it? Do they know it's Groundhog Day? <laughs> there should be a song about all the children of the world on Groundhog Day, shouldn't there? <laughs> oh, maybe there should be. Jobs report was wow. Saw that. Um, we'll get to the details there. We've got uh, Haney coming up. Haney's down in Orlando. We'll get a report from the cattle convention uh, and and Sean Haney. It's uh, we got a we got a full show coming your way here, guys. Uh, just stay tuned. All right, let's get to the news. Well, Chip, we'll begin with the National Weather Service weather outlook. Where unsettled weather for the for the West Friday Man. as heavy snow continues for the Sierras. And spreads into the Great Basin and Rockies. Widespread thunderstorms shift from the southern plains today to the lower Mississippi Valley and Gulf Coast on Saturday with a threat for severe weather and flash flooding. Mild, well above average temperatures persist across the central portions of the country through this weekend, Chip. That's me and you, buddy. Yeah, that's right. And the West Coast just has gotten pounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to get another foot of rain in the next 36 hours. Mm-hmm. This is is weather that that uh, happens rarely it's the pineapple express with all that moisture coming out of the pacific and just smoking the west coast and uh boy they 
It, it, you better be ready for it, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, Chip, in January, the U.S. added 353,000 jobs, surpassing economists' expectations. The result is an unchanged unemployment rate of 3.7%. This is the 24th consecutive month the nation's jobless rate has been below 4%. Most industries added jobs last month, with healthcare and social assistance posting the largest gains. Average hourly pay also rose sharply, climbing 19 cents to $34.55, pushing up the yearly increase from 4.5% uh, to 4.5% from 4.1%. Since spring of last year, pay increases have outpaced still high inflation, giving consumers more purchasing power, Chip. Yeah, the only negative number that I saw in the report, well, I shouldn't say the only negative number in there. I didn't look at every number, but one of the not so supportive numbers was the average hourly work week it had been bouncing around between 34.3 to 34.4 dropped to 34.1 so yeah there's some more money in there but some are working fewer hours and and maybe taking home less well so president biden has ordered retaliation for an attack on a u.s base in jordan that resulted in the deaths of u.s troops this response involves significant strikes against Iranian-controlled facilities in Iraq and Syria. The operation is set to commence in the coming days and will unfold gradually, combining military actions with other measures aimed at indicating that the U.S. is not seeking further escalation. Nothing like it, a counterattack that says, we're not seeking further escalation, Chip. Yeah, exactly. And here in the States, if you see something that, that unsettles you, say something. Mm-hmm. Amazon easily topped Wall Street estimates for earnings and revenue as cost-cutting boosted profits. Meta also surpassed expectations on all major metrics, and Chip announced its first-ever dividend payment. Apple was also in the spotlight as concerns about the company's presence in China outweighed the end of four straight quarterly sales declines. Cargo diversions in the Red Sea persist due to ongoing attacks on commercial shipping vessels, which also affect ag commodity shipments. According to Reuters, Twelve vessels were diverted this week, carrying approximately 700,000 metric tons of grain. Chip, since December, a total of 4.5 million metric tons of grain cargo has avoided the Red Sea yeah. due to security concerns. Americans can uh, expect a decrease in meat prices thanks to the emerging renewable fuel industry, according to Bloomberg. Mm -hmm. The process of producing plant-based jet fuel and diesel from soybeans generates a surplus of soy meal? Question mark. <laughs> As meat packers can now feed their animals more affordably, they're likely to increase meat production, leading to lower prices for consumers at the grocery store. Chip, we'll talk Dude, about we this have been later. talking about that for two years, three, right? Two and a half years. Wow. Okay. Welcome to the story, Bloomberg. Um, thank you, Davis. Appreciate yeah, that. Let's for sure. let's bring in Jennifer Shike, editor at Farm Journal's Pork. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning. So you were at the Illinois Pork Expo. What did you learn? Oh, I was. It was a it was a really good event, and um, always have a good time there with the Illinois pork producers. There there were so many topics that were discussed, but I really think it was interesting how um, their executive director Jennifer Teary decided to start things off. Um, she played she played some Rocky music, and we kind of got into the you know the concept of 
producers are feeling pretty beat up right now yep. with all the things they've been going through. But but she gave some really great encouragement about things that they're specifically doing in Illinois. But I do think these are things that we're seeing happening in other states as well, really focusing on capturing some retail wins last year and really looking forward with some new eyes on what we could do, um, not only in, in retail, but also taking a, a deeper look at food service, which is going to be a priority for the, the state of Illinois. Uh, with Chicago being in our state, we've got a lot of restaurants and food service opportunities sure. with a lot of purchasing power. So looking at ways to capitalize on that this year. Yeah. Um, but she also talked about some new programs, things they're trying to do to get younger people interested in the swine industry. Maybe that's going to work in a barn or maybe that's getting engaged somehow with an allied industry. So, yeah, yeah. You know, the, 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 the number one thing on the demand side, always be, always be building a new market, right? Always be right. Build, building that new market. And it's good to hear that there is a focus on that next generation uh, for, to, to bring into hog production in the state of Illinois. It's, and we got to give them all the encouragement we can. And, and, uh, uh, at this point, we need some encouragement other than what we're getting from the market. So, Jennifer, thank you very Absolutely. much. We appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. All right. All right. Get more at www.porkbusiness.com. We got the free-for-all coming up next. Haney, Davis, and maybe Grady hopping in on the conversation. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with Chip Flory. Welcome back to AgriTalk. It is time for the free-for-all. Let's go ahead and get it started. Davis, you ready to go? I think I'm ready, yeah. Are you okay. ready? I'm absolutely ready. Are, are you ready to make a prediction, not for this weekend's, but for next mm -hmm. weekend's uh, football game yet? Yes. Yes, I am. Yes, I oh. am. Okay. Uh, Chiefs by 47. Chiefs by 47. Chiefs. That's an optimistic view of things down there. Uh, I, mostly I, I on what. field goals. Mostly on field goals, actually. <laughs> wow. Big day. Big wow. Day Big day for the kickers. Sean Amy. <laughs> real Agriculture, Real Ag Radio. How you doing, Sean? Chip, I'm doing great, man. It's great to be back here. It feels like I uh, took a couple weeks off, but it's yeah. like, which I did. But uh, it's great to be back here, fresh off of CattleCon in uh, Orlando, Florida. Did not see Mickey Mouse, but I saw a lot of people in some cowboy hats and boots for sure. <laughs> Outstanding. We'll get a report there. And Brian Grady, editor at Pro Farmers, with us. How you doing, Beach? Hey, Chip. Pretty good. No, good. no real complaints. 
Fantastic. What do you think about Davis's prediction there for the game? Forty, can't, the Chiefs by forty-seven, mostly on field goals. Uh, no, no, it, <laughs> it won't be forty-seven. It won't be mostly field goals. Well, it might be mostly field goals. I don't know, but right. they won't get to a forty-seven point victory by by field goals. <laughs> you see, right. Grady Grady understands this radio thing. He's only saying that to keep the conversation interesting, and I appreciate that <laughs> level of savvy. No. No, I'm a realist, Davis. I'm, I'm more real than any other human being ever. So. Well, who who do you got, Grady? Do you do you, do you got the Chiefs or? No, I cannot root for the Chiefs. So, um, I just you know it's getting stale for me. I uh, so I'll go with the uh, Niners. Um, yeah. not because I'm a Niners fan by any means, yeah. but uh, they got a couple pretty cool dudes that played college football in the state of Iowa on that team. Right. So, um, yeah. yeah. It's, you know, uh, I gotta say, yeah. George Kittle's one of the the all time great Greatest. personalities in, in the NFL, and yeah. uh, Brock Purdy's doing pretty darn well for himself. So, how how can somebody cheer against Brock Purdy? What is like, honestly, what a story! Yeah. Well, they're fun haters. Well, they they are, and it's so funny how like, dude has played honestly amazing above anything that anybody thought when you're the last pick in the NFL draft just two short years ago. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's like, give him, give him some credit. Like, yeah. and, and 49er fans themselves wanted to like cut him at halftime in the championship game. Cause <laughs> yeah. he really wasn't very good. And yep. he is lights out in, in, in the second half. And, and a lot of it with his feet. Yeah. But like he has played amazing. I, 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 I am really hoping for the 49ers in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there yep. are, there are a lot of people just pushing against against the whole dynasty thing, and I was the same way. Tom Brady and the Patriots, like enough already, enough. But yeah, until one of the sportscasters here in town asked somebody about that specific question, well, you got a kind of a dynasty going here, and they're like, yeah, we hate it when it's somebody else. Yeah, we love it when it's the Chiefs. That's so, it. There you go. It, it, the whole uh, the whole Taylor Swift deal has just got me soured. I mean, I just as a I'm a football purist. And Do you hate love, love, Brian? love, is that love, what it is? love, love the game, and the <laughs> constant shots of her and the stupid press in the luxury suite. Just, yeah, but it's I can't take it. Brother with the shirt off thing. Did you see that with the Sasquatch oh, up loved there? It. Loved oh yeah. It. Oh well, he's real. Yo, Jason's as real as it comes. Yep. I mean the. the the NFL can't. I mean, I I know what they're doing. They're playing. They want all the Swifties to you know, you watch football, estimate? but. Yeah. Did, did you see too. the estimate of what sw the the Swift yeah. uh you know hook up with the NFL how much money it's generated? Oh yeah. I, I that's saw that's the reason million. she's on TV more Th than the football. 330 action. million dollars. Yeah. If it generates 330 million dollars for me, I'd put her on TV too. <laughs> I, I, I saw a great idea where you take Jason Kelsey, it's a reality TV show, and every week he goes to an NFL tailgate. Yeah. And it's like tailgating through the eyes of Jason Kelsey. Now, oh, that is I something like I'd watch. That, well, I, doing that, shots yes. out of a bowling, holes in yes. a bowling ball, that's yeah. like, that's real. I mean, yeah. that's, that's Americana that's right there. That's there. right. <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right. Let's get down to business. Hey, Haney, down there in Orlando at at the uh, NCBA convention. What are you hearing? What's uh, What's been the chatter? 
Well, the strangest thing I saw is that while CattleCon was going on in the same hotel, in the same convention center, there actually was Comic Con going on. So there was a lot of people <laughs> walking around in some outfits that I was like, "You are not here for the cattle convention." <laughs> you, you know, Chip, I would say that uh, no, no surprise to anybody, but a lot of the discussion is how much good moisture in the western half of the United States would allow ranchers to retain more females yeah. and 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 really uh keep some heifers back and and start to really put an effort into increasing that supply because that is the main concern the consumer is really for the most part comes through demand has been strong domestically in the export market but we've got a supply crunch and it's we need rain to make the grass to to pull it all through i, I overall i felt a lot of optimism you know even though there's negative margins right now in the feed yard I, I felt overall uh, a lot of optimism and the yeah. and the opportunity, but Mother Nature's really got to come through and uh, yeah. and uh, support us in that way. Yeah, Brian, that cattle inventory report it certainly suggested that any expansion in the beef herd has been pushed out to 2026 at the earliest. Yeah, definitely, uh, absolutely no signs. And you know, the the cattle on feed numbers have been telling us that all the way mm -hmm. through. Uh, every quarter, we get an update on the the feedlot mix, and uh, the the heifer numbers have just been really big. And and so, uh, no real surprise there in, in that report uh, that it would indicate that that the expansion uh, plans haven't started yet. But um, I I think probably you know what Sean heard is uh, pretty. Um, you know, up to date in, in terms of, you know, if, if they can get the grass, um, they need that before they can start yep. actively retaining heifers. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. If you guys want to have a conversation or hear a conversation, uh, about that cattle inventory report and, and what it's going to take to start to rebuild it, had a conversation with Lee Scholes from Iowa state university yesterday afternoon on AgriTalk. Go back and listen to that one. A lot of the chatter leading up to CattleCon this year, guys, uh, out on social media was was about the electronic IDs, and the um, the the scuttle was that NCBA was going to support mandatory mandatory uh, electric IDs or the RFIDs, the radio frequency ID tags, on all cattle, on all cattle. So. Sale barn guys were wondering now if if a load of cattle, a load of fat cattle come in that don't have an EID, uh, it, would they have to run those calves, run those fat cattle through a through a chute, spend eight dollars on a tag just to run them through the sale barn to make it all legal? And the sale barn guys were saying, listen. We're not going to do that. We we can't afford that kind of cost. And if you're, you know, even if you're running just a thousand head, a thousand head through a sale barn a week, I, you know, they're they're anywhere from four to eight dollars is the number that I've seen on this. No sale barn operator wants to spend four to eight thousand dollars to run a thousand head of fat cattle through their through their sale barn. Somebody is going to have to pay for that, and it's it's going to, you know, the buyer ultimately, I would think is going to have to pay for it. But um, in the meantime, it's going to be a sale barn and, and the guy that's bringing in the calves. Now, the statement that has been released is the NCBA supports the adoption and implementation in the beef industry of electronic ID devices for interstate movement of all breeding-aged animals greater than 18 months and rodeo and exhibition cattle. So it's kind of kicking the 
can down the road on this one is is what it feels like. But there's no mention of market cattle in this. I think that's going to be a relief to the industry, Beach. Yeah, I I would think so. Um, you know, we'll see. I I don't know where the where the final ending point is on this yeah. situation, but uh, um, it, <laughs> there's probably real concern. Um, and you know, cost. I oh yeah, comes back to cost and and yep. uh, how much it's going to cost or how much money you're going to make or no matter what the situation. And and so yep. um, you know, that's that's the real sticking and, point at this point. And you know, hey, this is all traceability issue, is what it is. Well, absolutely. And, you know, this is one where I've sort of like, I understand the pushback. There's a lot of like, you know, who's going to pay for it. Uh, There's also the idea that, you know, my ranch, my information, I don't want to, you know, share data privacy and and yeah. Yeah. I I will say this though. Canada has had a version of this since 1998. Mm -hmm. Every single animal is tagged before it leaves the ranch. Mm-hmm. in a national traceability program. And it's not perfect, but other countries do have this. So this yep. is, you know, this is something that the U.S. is uh, going to have to look maybe around the world a little bit and see from a competitive standpoint in the global stage. We'll, we'll have to see. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, when we come back, we've got one more item to cover from CattleCon. Uh, Haney needs to do a shout out. We've got a new entry into the Cattle Feeders Hall of Fame. We'll learn about that, and then we're going to get on to the employment data and what it means for interest rates. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Hey, Brian Grady, ProFarmer editor. Let's go ahead and stick with cattle as long as we're talking about it. We've got some follow-through gains to the big gains that we saw yesterday in fed cattle futures. Uh, The feeder cattle market really not doing too much today. Yeah, so uh, live cattle uh, really performed well here recently, and, yeah. and technical breakout. Uh, we got fundamental support. We talked about the cattle inventory report uh, earlier this week, and, and then the cash cattle uh, trade sharply higher, and, and so pretty much everything is working in bull's favor. And we've got uh, moderate to strong gains here at uh, at mid morning. Uh, like you said, not much action in the feeder cattle, just a slightly firmer tone, and hogs uh, face yeah. some. Uh, heavy price pressure yesterday, but uh, bouncing back a little bit here to close out the week. Very good. Okay, uh, not bouncing back in the grain markets to finish up the week. What's going on? Yeah, uh, so outside markets are, are really um, highly negative at the moment. Uh, the U.S. dollar index is up uh, almost 900 points. Uh, wow. Crude oil futures are sharply lower, and, and not that the grain and, and soy markets need anything else uh, to help uh, push the selling interest, but uh, that's definitely having an impact, especially on soy oil. Soy oil's under moderate to heavy pressure here at mid-morning, and, and that's triggering losses uh, in the other markets. But, uh, you know, just just not much fresh news out there. Um, right. You know, no, no real trigger, and the funds are comfortably uh, short and, and heavily short in all those markets. Yeah, paying a little closer attention to some of the hotter and drier forecasts down in Argentina and Brazil, right? Yeah, and so, you know, we have to watch that. Uh, the market just hasn't been responsive yeah. at this point in time, largely because of, of production gains in Argentina are offsetting any losses in, in Brazil at the moment. All right, Brian, we'll be back with us in one minute as we keep the free-for-all going here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. 
Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. I don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> so call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. It's a free-for-all. We've got Davis Michelson, Real Agriculture and Real Ag Radio, Sean Haney, and Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on the free-for-all today. Unemployment report was out this morning. 353,000 jobs added in January. The trade expectation was like three was like 175,000 uh, in new payrolls. So we basically doubled up on the new, uh, the, the new payrolls in January. And the revisions to November and December reports added a net 126,000 jobs. The unemployment rate is steady at 3.7%. Brian Grady, when I look at this and try to balance it against, you know, some of the hopes that we're going to see the Fed drop interest rates, I it it's not coming in March now, is it? No, March is out the door, and uh, May maybe almost out the door at this yeah. point in time, and and so uh, you know everything's being pushed back and, and delayed, and and uh, I I think that that's the real message that they came from the jobs data. Like you said, the the payrolls were almost double what was anticipated and we had big revisions to past data. And and so, um, you know, everything's screaming right now that the jobs market is strong. Uh, Hourly earnings uh, up significantly. I think it was four and a half percent over the past year. And and, uh, um, so uh, nothing's telling the Fed to, to cut interest rates. Right. That average hourly work week, it had been bouncing around between 34.3 and 34.4 hours per week. Uh, it dropped down to 34.1. To me, that is a signal that more people are being hired for a part-time position than for a full-time position. And I, I don't know if that's going to feed, you know, a lot of fuel or, uh, into the economy going forward or not what what do you think of that um yeah i i don't know um i think that the probably the least number that's followed is that work week number yeah uh to be honest with you of, of all the set of data that that comes out of that and and uh i you know, i don't i don't pretend to be an economist uh you know i i have a lot that i follow and and uh, rely yeah. on for for those types of situations. But uh, um, I I think that that's probably, you know, wages are a big thing. 
uh, yep. along with the the total um, number yep. of uh, jobs added. So um, I I don't know. I we'll see. Um, it honestly this this may not have a. It's an election year, so. <laughs> The jobs number uh, may not have as much of an impact or or the Fed may not. Let's, let's put it a different way. The Fed may not have as much of a uh, impact on monetary policy this year as what everybody yeah. was anticipating because of the elections. And and the jobs numbers may end up being a factor in the elections. We'll we'll see yep. if that happens or not. Gotcha. You, you know, in late you December. Yeah. Like in late December, we were we were talking about, well, the, the some of the commentary out there was like, We'll have four cuts. We'll have five cuts. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm asking the question: What's the probability there are no cuts? Yeah. In in 2024. And listen, it, we're very very early, so I don't want to get too far out ahead of myself. But just because you can doesn't mean you should. And and right. we can see from this data here today that the reality is is that you know a cut may be nothing but just pushing us back right now to where we were. And then we're talking about going back up. And I think the last thing the Fed wants to do is be jumping all over the place, right? right? Where we're being very, very reactive and we're up and we're down and we're all over the place. I I think we're going to continue to see a real measured patient approach here. And we're not going to see cuts until they feel they, they really, really absolutely have to. And other central banks around the world are, are I think taking a lot of indication from what, the, the U.S. Federal Reserve does on this, and we're seeing the same patients in places like the U.K. and in Canada. Yeah, right. and the uh, the International Monetary Fund uh, warned the the Fed and other central banks that uh, you know easing too soon is probably more uh, damaging or would be more damaging than uh, waiting a little bit longer. And right. so I I think if if they listen to the IMF, and there's no reason that they have to by any means, but uh, IMF put that out there this week that, uh, you know, hey, don't get too jumpy with uh, cutting rates. Right. Brian, you do a great job of tracking the economic activity and and the tough conditions in China. What's the bottom line there right now? Are they going to be helping or hurting the global economy in the year ahead? Well, they're they're in rough shape, Chip, and and uh, they've resisted uh, rate cuts at this point in time. They you know they, they want to go with fiscal stimulus as much as possible, and and uh, that's just not doing it for the uh, the Chinese economy. And and quite honestly, the the Chinese investor, whether it's a domestic investor, uh, their stock market's really uh, taken on weight at this point in time, and and uh, uh, or the foreign investor. Uh, there's just not a lot of foreign dollars uh, being put into the the Chinese economy and at the moment, and and so um, China's got some real struggles on their hands, and and uh, um, you know the U.S. economy is performing very well um, compared to to China's yeah. on a, a relative basis. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Um, let's jump jump topics here because. Haney, you kind of started the week for me on on this Farm Bill Watch uh, with an interview that you did with Dr. Joe Outlaw at Texas A&M University. And uh, he certainly is not optimistic that the Farm Bill is going to be taken up anytime soon, is he? He he is not. And like his last name says, Outlaw, he's a straight shooter, which I, I love talking to Dr. Joe Outlaw. Um, yeah, he's got he's got a 2025 stamp yeah. on this farm bill. Um, he 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 feels that you know threats of the government shutdown and the issues around continuing resolutions. It it just 
it just pushes all of this back out. The southern border has all is taking up all the oxygen in, in the room. I, I will say this, and and this kind of supports some of the, you know, the the yeah, but that Dr. Olaf mentioned. This week, when I was, uh, you know, in the media room at CattleCon and hearing uh, a lot of people coming in talking about the farm bill, here's one of the common threads that is a positive to get actually a farm bill done this year, and and, and that is Stabenow's departure. Yeah, that she is not going to want to go out in yeah. the fall without closing this deal. So she is very very motivated but- now. Is that reality or is that just like hope on people's yep. part? I'm not sure, but that seems to be one of the, the, the arguments for a bill in 24. Yeah, that seems to be the argument as, as things stand right now. And the proposal that she has thrown out there, you know, making uh, making it a choice between improved, which means a higher subsidy on crop insurance, or you got to pick or the safety net provisions of the ARC or the PLC program through the farm bill. So you can have either the crop insurance improve, improve crop insurance or the safety net. When we asked Senator Ernst about that on Wednesday, she couldn't answer. She couldn't answer that question fast enough. She was no, 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 that is not going to fly. So if she's going to, if Stabenow is going to bring proposals like that to the table and expect that to speed the process so that it gets done in 2024, that, that that's not going to work. Not with the Republicans in the, in, in the, uh, uh, on the Senate Ag Committee. Um, I don't know. It, and Senator Marshall from Kansas basically said the same thing yesterday, you know, that the farm bill is going to be pushed out until after 2025. And, and it, it's a tough, it, Brian, from the, from talking with the pro farmer membership, if I would, I would imagine that if the messages leave the farm bill alone, it's going to have its, you know, automatic increases in the effective reference prices other than that leave the farm bill alone and let's just keep going forward until we get through the election it's probably not bad news to them unless they're a dairy producer right correct correct yeah i i think that they just don't want it to be messed up yeah um you know the if in the you know if everything's in a perfect situation um they want a better farm bill but they would rather have what they have right now than have them mess it up. And, and uh, um, so, yeah. you know, the, you know, Sean said it, but stab now is the only chance that it gets done I this year. So. Absolutely. The only chance I, I can't see any other end route that, uh, that gets us there unless right. it's her. Right. Would you, would you say that the one added factor there would be from the grassroots perspective we see a real negative shift in margins uh, the dairy producer right now things suck pork producer it sucks but you know when we look at corn and beans for example uh much relatively better if we if we were to see things really change from a farm profitability standpoint in the corn belt between now and the summer hmm. would would that be 
an increase in the political will? Like, we got to get this done. Would, would, yeah. would that help, or is that crazy? I think that's something that they would try to fix with the emergency relief program, Haney. Okay. With another yeah. ad hoc payment rather than, than rushing yeah. through a farm bill. Yeah, and, and once again, it's an election year. So yeah. the only way that, I mean, you know, you know, I hate to keep saying that, but not a lot gets done in Washington in an election year. Not a lot gets done anymore anyway. But. <laughs> Brian, you're referring to the most unproductive Congress in 2023. And who yeah. says it doesn't yeah, continue to not, They don't do anything but fly in and fly out and, and argue with each other. Yeah. That's right. Okay, we're going to keep the conversation going. When we come back, we had a conversation yesterday with Texas A Commissioner Sid Miller about ESG in banking regulations. I want to have a conversation about that. We'll do it right here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Our name says it all. Agritalk. What more do you need to know? Welcome back to AgriTalk. We've got the free-for-all going. Uh, Pro-Farmer Editor Brian Grady, Real Agriculture Sean Haney, and then Davis Michelson and me, Chip Lurie from AgriTalk, in the free-for-all this week. Uh, on Monday, guys, there were 12 state commissioners and secretaries of agriculture. They sent a letter to the six biggest banks, and I mean the biggest banks in America, and they were they they they've got a very specific list of questions that they want answered i think by the middle of the month on how ESG environmental social governance is directing their business decisions and how it might impact agriculture we had texas ag commissioner sid miller on the show yesterday to just kind of you know clue us in on what exactly is happening with this but it comes down to Haney, it's basically a warning shot from from some of from from a dozen ag commissioners and secretaries saying, "Don't let these ESG directives influence how you're going to be lending money into into the ag industry, or you could end up with what is happening in Europe, or even worse, as Sid Miller mentioned." could end up with something as terrible as what happened in Sri Lanka. Uh, it, it's uh, it it's a complex issue, isn't it? Well, it, it, it is, Chip. But 
uh, one of the things that Mr. Miller said was, you know, out here in the real world, yeah. and, and I felt like that could kind of be reversed. Like, yeah, out here in the real world, other industries have been doing this for quite some time. Like, you know, when I talk to people in the oil and gas sector, there's been sustainable lending for, for a while. Um, mm -hmm. There are already financial institutions in agriculture that are out there doing sustainable lending. Um, when I'm out in the countryside, I hear a lot of pushback from farmers on this. Um, not a lot seeing potentially the opportunity to to get, say, lower rates. Yeah. And the, the sad, I guess, the reality is, is that when you're asking somebody for money and you need an operating loan or you need a capital loan, mm -hmm. you don't drive the bus. Right. <laughs> and it's, you it's the person- some questions. You got to answer some questions. And so yeah. in when you go to ask for a loan, there's qualifications like, you know, quality of management of the operation. Do you have a strategic plan? Past financial performance? What does the balance sheet look like? What are some of the practices that you use a, a, as well? And some of these practices now are into this area of sustainability. I, I, I think yeah. this is actually more of a reality than we're making it out to be. I, I don't think it has much to do at all with protests, you know, the, the protests in here, we can talk about that much more complicated than, than, than Miller made them out to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think this is coming. It's here. And I, if I was in agriculture and looking for a loan, I'd be looking at how do I, how do I take advantage of this as opposed to fighting it? Cause it's here. D Davis, what you got a chance to hear that conversation with Miller. And we've talked about these ESG issues quite often on the show. What did you, mm -hmm. what do you make of this? Well, at, at some point, there, and I agree with what what Sean is saying. Other industries have done this in agriculture. You know, maybe it's just our turn to step up. But if you look at what's going on in Europe, where the farmers feel like things have just gone too far here, they no longer have a voice, they can't make money in this system. The pushback yeah. from from the European farmer is real, and you know, it's in the back of the American farmer's head too. I guarantee you've seen it on the news. Yep. Yeah. So the European protests, so like that's it's it's not so in some of the countries it is about environmental regulations, like the Netherlands, for example, mm -hmm. it is about trying to restrict fertilizer use. Okay, so right. that fits into that narrative. But if you look at like in Poland, the majority of it is about the government showing favoritism for Ukrainian products. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like that, that's totally outside this scope. Sure. In, in in Germany, it started because the government's saying, you know, we're going to cut agricultural subsidies. Like, I think I mentioned this before mm -hmm. on the show. The last mm -hmm. couple of years, if you bought a sprayer in Germany, you got half of it paid for by the government. Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of subsidies the government is trying to cut. Right. <laughs> those, are those are subsidies that we have to compete with in the global stage from an export perspective. We should be actually cheering for those governments to cut those subsidies. Mm -hmm. yeah. in, in some of the countries, like for France, a part of it has to do with push back against free trade deals that the government has been a part of mm -hmm. with the European Union. Yep. Well, we're yep. pro free trade here. So yep. like th those those protests are much more complicated than just pushing back against environmental policy in my right. opinion. Right. Okay. It's been an interesting week on the show because we have talked with Sid Miller and earlier this week had a conversation with Lee Blank who's the CEO of Summit Carbon Solutions. Uh, and and this you know, having a conversation that is very much in support of the CO2 sequestration and and uh, a conversation with Sid Miller that is warning about all of it, 
it did prompt a response out on Twitter from Lauren. He says, Chip, one thing to be careful about is getting too excited about sustainable aviation fuel and carbon scoring as it's all related to ESG, WEF, One World Banking, and control. Will a new administration reject all those government subsidies? Nitrogen limitations go with carbon scoring. If that happens, farmers will reject it. Lauren, we are very much aware of that. And you want to talk about one of the most complex issues that we've ever had to try to have, um, you know, you know, uh, civil conversations about on a regular basis on the show. This is it. This is it. Because on the surface, I look at the CSG stuff and I'm thinking to myself, come on. You get your head straight here on this. We're talking about CO2. It's the life element. It's the element of life. Are we really going to be making all these changes because of of CO2? On the other hand, as as Haney said, look at the money that's being invested in some of these environmental efforts that are out there and some of the money that's available to it and... The amount of private investment that has already been made into some of these efforts like uh, renewable diesel and sustainable aviation fuel and so on. We're going to keep covering it. It, It's confusing, it's heady, and it's conflicting at times, but we're going to keep covering it. Great job today, you guys. I appreciate you all. Uh, Davis, Sean Haney, Real Agriculture, Real Ag Radio, Brian Grady, editor at Pro Farmer. Come back this afternoon. We got Jim Bauer, Bauer Trading here on Agritalk.